Open your Bibles this morning to the New Testament book of Hebrews. It's toward the back of the New Testament. If you're using the blue Bible in front of you, it's page 1001. You think a good Sunday to be here. Every Sunday is a good day to be in Sunday to be in church. But we're starting a new sermon series this morning. For the next nine weeks, Lord willing, we're going to be going through the book of Hebrews. So let me encourage you, number one, be here every week so you can hear these sermons, but also begin to read through this book so that you can get a better sense. We're not going to be able to cover every verse, every chapter, but it'll give you a better sense of what it is we're talking about. And if you have any questions as you're reading it, be sure and ask me those questions. Maybe I can work that into the sermons and, and address that while we go through this series. We're going to begin reading in the first verse of the first chapter of Hebrews. You follow along as I read out loud. The writer says, Long ago... At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of God's nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he made his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are the angels not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? This is the word of the Lord for us today. Blessed are those who hear it and obey it. This morning, as I mentioned, we're starting this new series from this letter. As you read through most of the New Testament, especially Paul's writings, this letter begins differently. Paul begins his letters by always telling us who he is. He always starts out by saying, Paul. Well, that's not here. And so you'll often hear people say that Paul is the author of this letter. But as you read through this letter, it's very easy to see quickly that that Paul did not write this. 
Some of the things that are said in here, Paul would never have said about himself. The style is different. The language is different. It's, it's Greek, but it's just the style is so much different from what Paul said. We can be confident that Paul didn't write it. And so through this series, you will not hear me say, Paul said this. You'll hear me say the writer, because we don't know who the writer is. But fortunately, for us to get something from this letter, we don't have to know who the author is. The church has accepted this book and used it for centuries and benefited from the teachings that are here without knowing for sure who the author is. This letter, though, has some of the deepest theology that you will read anywhere in the Bible. And that scares people, because when we use the word theology, like, oh, it's so boring and dull, we get scared of it, and so we don't read it. But don't be afraid of this. There's some good teaching here that we need in our daily lives. So make sure you come every week, and we're going to work through this. In the course of this letter, there are five significant warnings that are given. Each week we're going to be looking at the various things that are said, and we're going to look particularly at these warnings. And the title of this series is, You've Been Warned. Now you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever had somebody warn you about something and you ignored it? And what they warned you about happened. And then you went back and they're like, Why did you do that? I warned you not to take that route. I warned you not to do this. What do you say? Our problem today is we see this every day we receive numerous warnings. So many warnings today that we often fail to take them seriously. How many of you are like me? I read lots of news and, and keep up with things, or try to at least. You'll read an article that says something like, you know, you need more B vitamins in your diet. And you're like, yeah, I probably should eat better. Right? We hear the warning, we agree with the warning, and then what? We don't take our diet at all. We're so numb to the warnings that we receive, we're so used to just saying, yep, 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 and then not changing, that if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing with God's Word. <laughs> Failing to realize that sometimes, many times, these warnings are serious. For example, was it 1912? When the Titanic was coming across the Atlantic? The captain of the Titanic was warned about the presence of icebergs in the route that they were taking. Maybe you want to slow down. Maybe you want to come south a little bit to get away from the, the coldest part of the water. Nope. Full speed ahead until they hit the iceberg. And yet how many of us, with God's warnings, are just like the captain of the Titanic? Full speed ahead, going right toward those icebergs that we've been warned about. Let's pay attention this morning so that we will do more than just hear warnings and ignore them. We want to take them to heart. 
2015 is going to be a year that can be just like last year, or it can be a year where significant changes being made in our lives for the better. You understand, we're only four days in. But I would challenge you to look at the last four days, the last three days, we're just basically in the first part of day four. How has the first three days of 2015 been different than last year? Except for the fact that we got it right 2015 instead of 2014, how different really is your life? And if we're not careful, we'll be six months into this year and we'll look back and say, you know what, I can't see anything different about my life than where I was last year. Let's not go through this study, see these warnings, but then not make any changes. Our lack of seriousness about our faith can at times be breathtaking. Because we'll say that our faith is important to us, but when it comes to actually making changes in our lives and doing things differently, we're often more talk than we are action. This doctrine that we're going to learn in Hebrews is important because good doctrine comes before good behavior. We don't just learn good doctrine so we can know the right things. We learn good doctrine so we can live correctly, so we can do the right things. Beginning in verse 1, the writer jumps right in. Doesn't tell us who he is. Doesn't even tell us who he's writing to. He just jumps in and tells us something about God. Look at verse 1. The writer says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. At first reading, we, we see that and we're like, Really? That's the best you got for us to start off with? I remember in school they'd always tell you, throw your best stuff right at the first three and capture people's attention. So the first thing he says is, yeah, God's spoken in the prophets to the prophets in the past. And I'm like, really? Like, who didn't know that? Right? This is not earth-shattering news to find out that God has spoken in the past through prophets. He better get better from this point forward because he's going to lose us quickly if he's just going to tell us something that is so blatantly obvious we already know them. But don't look at how God spoke through the prophets. Stop even before you get there. He says in the first line of this letter, God spoke. Folks, this is huge. That God has spoken. You do understand, God didn't have to. If God had remained silent, there is so much about God that we wouldn't know. But God has spoken. Sure, we can know bits and pieces about God from looking at creation. This is called general revelation, where God has revealed himself generally to everyone through creation, because everyone can see the world around them. 
Common sense tells us that the complexity that we see in the world around us is not something that would just happen by accident. God has spoken. He has left fingerprints, His fingerprints, all over creation. And one of the greatest things, there was an article just last week in the Wall Street Journal, more and more as advances are made in technology, advances are made in science, we're finding more and more things that we can't explain without God. The deeper we go into the genetic code, we're finding more and more things that it's harder and harder to believe are just an accident. They just happen by random chance. But God has done more than just reveal himself through the majesty of creation. God has revealed many things about himself through not general revelation, but through special revelation where he would speak directly to people. Like he did with Noah, Abraham, Moses. God spoke to them. Sometimes with an inner voice, sometimes with an audible voice. God spoke to them and revealed himself extensively through these messages that he delivered. And then a huge part of the Old Testament is God speaking through prophets. And as you go through these prophetic books... Time and time again, the chapters will begin with, and the word of the Lord came to the prophet saying, God spoke and revealed himself. God is revealing things through the prophets about himself that could never be determined simply by looking at creation. For example, if I look at a tree, I don't have to look at a tree very long to realize I can't create a tree. I can plant a tree, but I can't create a tree. And so by looking at nature, by looking at that tree, I can say, you know what? There must be a higher power. There must be a creative force behind this tree because I couldn't create myself. I can't go into my kitchen and whip up tree. Can't do it. I can see by looking at this tree something about a creator, but nothing really specific. There must be some force or some power out there. But by looking at that tree, it doesn't tell me about the character of God. For example, this tree does not tell me that the creator God loves me. All it tells me is that there must be a God out there who created it. But for us to know that God loves us, God has to reveal that through special revelation. By looking at that tree, I can never see that this God who loves me is going to someday die on a tree for myself. That has to be revealed through special revelation. And that's what the writer is saying here, is that God has spoken and revealed himself through the prophets. But he says, God did this more than once, again and again, in many ways. God has revealed himself through the prophets. And as we read through the Bible, we see 
Many different prophets, many different voices is God speaking to people about himself. And God spoke in different ways to these prophets, and these prophets then conveyed the message through different means. Sometimes they would use dramatic uh, acting. As when Isaiah walked around for two years naked to make a point. I don't know about you, but if God told me to make a point by walking around for two years, you'd be telling me not to do it. Right? Jeremiah the prophet walked around with a yoke on his shoulders, the yoke that oxen would wear to plow the fields, as a way to make a point that God had given to him. God spoke in many different ways through these prophets. But as good as these prophets were, their message was incomplete. But the writer's point is not that God spoke through the prophets. We know that. There's something more important that the writer wants us to see. Look at verse 1 again. His point is not that God has spoken through the prophets. Look at it, verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Verse 2. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. Yes, God has spoken through the prophets, but now God has spoken through his Son. That is the showstopper that he wants to grab our attention with. Not that God has spoken through the prophets. We know that. He says, but there's something even better here. We might be tempted, though, to say, so? Okay, so God spoke at one time through the prophets, and another time he spoke through his son. So what? What's the big deal? The writer spends the rest of chapter 1 telling us why this is significant. There's much more that we see about Jesus as we go through this text. More than we're going to be able to cover this morning. There's over half a dozen things that we're told about Jesus. But let me just give you quickly five of the things that we're told about Jesus this morning. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 tells us that this son, this one that God has spoken through, verse 2 says he was the creator of the world. This is confirmed by John in his gospel where he says that everything that has been created has been created by Jesus. Paul confirms this in Colossians chapter 1. When he said that all things were created by Jesus in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. If you can see it, Jesus created it. If you can't see it, even invisible things in the world, Jesus created it. Which means, if anything exists, it's because Jesus created it. When we create something like an iPad, that Jesus didn't make that iPad. Even when we make something, we can only make something out of the raw materials that Jesus has already created. Everything that we see has its origin with Jesus. God has revealed himself through creation, yes, but Jesus is the creator. 
He's the one that God the Father used to create the world that we live in today. Now, fast forward to Jesus' ministry. Remember when he fed the 5,000 with just a little boy's lunch? That's really impressive when you just look at that by itself. But when you stop and think out that Jesus created the whole universe out of nothing, that he fed 5,000 people with a little lunch, isn't that big a deal? If he can create the universe out of nothing, I think he can feed some people with a lunch, don't you? Jesus is the one that God has spoken through here through creation. Look at verse 3. The second thing that we're told about Jesus is not only is he the creator, but he's also the exact representation of God. Verse 3 says he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. In that day, when a king would send a letter, he wanted to make sure that the person on the other end would know it was coming from him and to know that it had been tampered with. So he would have the letter written, they would roll it up, and then they would pour hot wax where the paper came together. And then while the wax was still warm, the king would take his ring and he would press it into that wax so that you would get an imprint of the ring. And that would be the verification that what you're reading actually came from the king. The writer of Hebrews uses a beautiful picture here, and he says, Jesus is that imprint of God. When you see Jesus, you are seeing the imprint of God. It's as if God took his ring and just pushed it into the hot wax and formed Jesus. What are we told about Jesus? He's a creator. He's the exact representation of God. Three. Verse, the, the second part of verse three. He's the sustainer of the universe. He upholds, the writer says, the universe by the word of his power. So not only did Jesus create the universe, he sustains it. He keeps it going. The deists, people from a few hundred years ago, many of them were the founding fathers of this country. They had this idea that that God just started the world, wound it up like a clock, and then just stepped back and let it run. Well, that's not a biblical view of the world, because not only did God start the world, God sustains the world through Christ. Which means that if Jesus didn't sustain the world and keep it going, the world would just retreat into nothingness again. All things are held together by Christ, Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1. Apart from the sustaining power of God, you wouldn't be here today. It's not just that God created you, it's that God sustains you. That you woke up this morning, that you even existed this morning. It's because God is sustaining you. Number four, Jesus is creator, he's the exact representation of God, he's the sustainer of the world. Number four, he's the savior of the world. 
what we're told here in this passage in the third verse, that after Jesus made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Over the course of this study in Hebrews, we're going to look at Jesus' role as Savior again and again. So we're not going to emphasize that this morning. Suffice to say, this is a huge part of who Jesus is, our Savior. Finally, number five. Jesus is all these things we've seen so far, but he's also judge. Look at the verses 10, 11, and 12. The writer says, You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed. In a beautiful picture here, in a vivid image, the writer says that the world that we see around us, everything that looks permanent to us, when God is ready to bring the world to a close, God's just going to roll the world up like dirty clothes. Did you see it? Just like dirty clothes that you roll up and you throw into the pile to do laundry. He said, that's what God's going to do with the world. Because God remains and the world will not. Everything that we take is solid and is sure that we put our hope in. The writer says, yeah, I wouldn't do that. One day it's going to be rolled up and thrown to the side. And the only thing that's going to remain is God. Beautiful picture. Yes, Jesus came to be Savior. When Jesus came the first time, He said, I didn't come to judge. And He didn't. But, when Jesus comes back the second time, make no mistake, He is going to judge the world. What does all this mean, though? What have we learned about Jesus and what does that mean about what God did in speaking through Christ? You see, the prophets were the friends of God, but Jesus is the Son of God. The prophets grasped some of the mind of God, but Jesus is the mind of God. The prophets spoke for God, but Jesus is God. Well, we just celebrated at Christmas time that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. The word coming from Jesus is exactly the word that God wants us to have. Have you ever made the mistake of relaying a message through someone else to somebody? Hey, would you tell them this for me? Only to find out later that the message that they gave is not the message that you sent. And you find out, that's not what I said. (laughs) Right? When God sent Jesus to be his messenger, the word that God proclaimed through Christ is exactly the word that God wanted shared. Jesus is God's spokesman. Jesus is the seal 
that God has confirmed His Word with. If God has spoken through Christ, should we not listen to what Jesus said? Because to ignore Christ is to ignore God. Let me repeat that. To ignore Christ is to ignore God, the one who sent him. Now let's put a finer point on this. What does it matter? So what? This is the critical point of the sermon. You see, up to now, we've simply been looking at facts about Jesus. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the savior. He's the judge. We've only looked at facts about Jesus. Now understand, facts are important. But we're not here today simply to grow in knowledge to get smarter. At some point, we've got to stop and ask, but what does it matter? And that might seem like a blasphemous question to ask when we're talking about the Word of God. But we need to ask the question, God has spoken through Jesus. So what? What does that mean? When Jesus went up the mountain one day, remember, he took a few of his disciples with him, and then he was transfigured, he started to glow. And Moses and Elijah appeared and spoke to Jesus. Peter, James, and John were there, and they're like, this is cool. And then a cloud descended. And from that cloud, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Moses representing the law of God. Elijah representing the prophets of God. And the father said, yeah, listen to this guy. God has spoken clearly in Jesus Christ. Have you ever had somebody tell you to do something? You know they want you to do something, but their instructions are not very clear. And you know that you're going to be called on the carpet. The boss is going to come back. Did you do what I wanted? You're like, I didn't know what you wanted. I knew you wanted something, but I wasn't exactly sure what it was. God has spoken clearly in Jesus. Have you heard? But you understand that hearing what someone says is not the same thing as listening. To what was said. Come on parents. You know what I'm talking about. You tell your kids to do something. And they just sit there. Did you hear me? You know full well they heard you. What you really want to know is. Are you listening to me? Many people today. Claim to be Christians. But they're not listening to Christ. They incorrectly believe that all God is interested in is for us to say that we believe in Jesus. No, the issue is not, do we believe in Jesus? The question is, have we heard God speak through Jesus? 
Are we listening to what he's saying? Jesus is going to roll the world up like dirty clothes one day. Will you be ready for the judgment when it comes? Now take your Bibles. We're going to look at one more verse. A verse we haven't read yet. Drop down into chapter 2, verse 1. This is a perfect example of where the chapter divisions, which were added later, are not our friend. Verse 1 of chapter 2 begins by saying, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. That word therefore in verse 1 tells us that the writer is going back into chapter 1 and pulling this thought together. God has spoken not just through the prophets, but through His Son. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says, Therefore, we better pay careful attention to what God said. Now let's get right to it, folks. Are you paying careful attention to what God has spoken through His Son? Jesus is God's best last word for us. If Jesus is who we are told that He is, if He really is the Creator, the Sustainer, the Savior, the Judge, the exact representation of God, if that's who He is, that ought to change the way we live. Amen? No, 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 no. Not like New Year's resolution changes. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you have already broken your New Year's resolutions? Right? I know people that won't even make them anymore. What's the point? I never keep them. We're not talking about making a commitment to changing your life like a New Year's resolution that by the time you get home today, you've already forgotten it. We're talking about what verse 1 of chapter 2 says, paying careful attention to what God has said, what He has spoken through His Son. You see, there is no question that God has spoken. The question is, are we listening? Have you heard it? What will you say someday when you stand before God and God begins to hold you accountable for how you live? How you're acting right now? What will you say to God when God says, why didn't you listen to my boy? I sent him. He spoke exactly the message I wanted him to speak. Did you listen? What will you say when God asks you that? You see, I want to hear God say, I want to hear God say in my life, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear God say, you heard, you listened, you obeyed. That's what I want to hear. Do you? You see, we need to commit right now to making 2015 about Jesus, about listening to what He has to say. We need to make this a Christ-centered year. 
where our gear revolves around Jesus. We give Jesus a couple of times during the year. We give him Christmas, we give him Easter. And basically the year's left to us. We ought not to give Jesus a couple of days, a couple of periods during the year. We need to give him the whole year. Everything is about him. Paul said in Colossians, the verse that we read, that not only did Jesus create everything, everything was created for him. That we ought to live with our life all about Jesus. Our invitation this morning is an opportunity for you to make that kind of commitment. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. And it's the title of it is, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. We've got our eyes on lots of stuff today. We need to get our eyes on Jesus. We need to pay careful attention to what He has said. Why? Because look at your life and where you end up when you don't listen. Amen? Amen. Look at what happens when we ignore what God has said through Jesus. I don't want to keep doing that. I want to listen to what Jesus said and make real changes in my life. Let's pray.